Ant Lyons. Welcome to Your Property Podcast with myself and my co-host. Oh, hello. Good morning. Oh, hello. Yes, oh, wake hello. up. Yeah, it's an hour later though. It's not that late. So still in Barcelona, aren't you? I know. Though? It's such a hard life. Yeah. I walked the dogs this morning. It was minus one. So there we go. Oh, I, I was a bit chilly this morning and it was 14 degrees. <sighs> yeah, cardio. Yeah. So um, this is quite a cool episode of uh, Your Property Podcast. It's one I've been looking forward to doing because it's really, really very much in line with what I'm doing or looking to do in property at the moment. And so we've got two good friends of mine in property and it's been a little while since we caught up actually and I follow everything they do online. I Facebook stalk them as I do many, many people. Um, So welcome to the podcast, Lloyd and Martha Smith. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. So, Lloyd, you and I just last sort of bumped into each other um, at a commercial to residential uh, property course run by our, our sort of mutual friends, Jane and Joe Harling, which I try to remember how long ago it was. Two? Yeah, I think, years, I think it was probably a couple of years ago. Yeah. Before, yeah. The, before our new ventures. <laughs> so, so much has kind of gone on since then. I think, yeah, I think it was about two years ago, I think. I'm. I think it was, yeah. I just honestly, time just flips away now I don't know so um but um and at the time when we kind of were chatting there and I was following what you were doing online you were doing a lot of sort of single let stuff and um, buy to let and 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 creating a a very solid model of investment um but now you've got a whole new brand and a whole new kind of big big business now um as as co-founders of Bodacious I love the name it's wicked name um and you will cut sort of straight to the chase really what you've done is sort of migrated from buy to let into the hospitality industry with you know a number of sort of boutique hotels am i i guess yeah, I'm, that's, that's the... boutique hotels uh doesn't mean they're weird because <laughs> when you think boutique sometimes you, you, it makes you think of uh, something quite un- unusual uh we are actually quite business oriented in our brand however what makes us um we call ourselves Bodacious not how it used to be and be or not like it used to be and be because we're not your typical bed and breakfast for the starters we don't offer beds however it is boutique it's Victorian on the outside but quite modern uh, on the inside so that, 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 that is our brand actually. Yeah, I, I really like what you've done with them because um, I, the sort of B&B industry is an interesting sector. We, we've had a look at a few actually down in Plymouth where we've, we've done some developments and I know, I know you kind of came into this sort of via some serviced accommodation stuff. So that was sort of a stepping stone into more hospitality focus. But you now when we think of B&Bs, and I've looked at some of these, you go in and they are old fashioned, you know, they haven't had any money spent on them in probably 40 years. Someone's yes. been running it for 20 or 30 years. They've, um, how can I explain it? You know, it's a bit, you know, they're maybe they're living in the owner's accommodation downstairs, quite often a single lady. You know, sometimes so I don't know if this is. If I'm ever... I feel like that's a bit stereotypical. No, I've had a look at quite a few of these. I've had a look at quite a few of these. So you're not far from the truth because the people who we bought our um, hotels from—that's exactly how they run it. So it was old-fashioned, no money spent on it. Um, yeah, I've, I've... either a little old lady or a couple that um, are coming to the retirement and just simply had enough. Uh, and then they because it's such a grinding business on a day-to-day basis i think people never think about scaling it or, yeah. or modernizing it 
You're yeah. too busy changing beds and making breakfast, I think, it, aren't you? Exactly. I think I think the these the own, the owner operators, I think, um, you know, in in our experience, they they've got into it probably in their in their fifties, uh, maybe because they're a little bit disillusioned with maybe what they were doing previously and they think, Oh well, you know, this will be more of a lifestyle business. But I think <laughs> that lasts about thirteen years roughly and it kinda of grinds them to the point where they've had enough then. Um and that's I suppose that's where the opportunity lies really. Uh, okay. Let's talk about that how have you gone into bnbs why did you make the switch how did you end up in it yeah where, where do you where do you see the opportunity in it because i was looking and thinking some of these are catering to the, the bottom end of the market really aren't they you know 40 50 quid a night you know difficult to make any margins on that so where did you see the opportunity well, actually, it's not difficult to make any margins on it because it's so much cheaper to operate than service accommodation. So we've gone to uh, hospitality via the SA sector. So we've had um, some holiday apartments uh, and houses, some of them our own, some of them rent to rent. And um, it is more expensive to operate um, a service apartment than to operate a hotel or or a, or a like a guest house in one building and, and that's, that's purely and simply because of the capital costs where you know you might spend i guess 100 150,000 on an apartment whereas a room might be whatever it would be 30 or 40 grand i guess not just that i mean obviously the 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 that's that's one side of it there's the, also the operational cost of it um and i'm talking both both fixed costs and uh, um, the vari variable costs. So, for example, if I'm operating a service apartment, I still have to pay, um, I don't know, TV license, gas, electric, council tax, council tax all of yeah. them. Um, and it all scales up, whereas in, 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 uh, it kind of, uh, in a guest house is less, even though, mm -hmm. and everything is in one building. So for the starters, it's easier to manage. The clean changeover costs are much less. So it only costs us about £10 um, of variable uh, costs every mm -hmm. time per room, every time we have to do a changeover because there's no, buff, uh, there's no kitchen to clean. There's only a bathroom and a bed. Um, uh, and it's, 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 it's basically cheaper. And the, another thing is these two sectors are completely different. So I can see an opportunity in service department, but I can also see opportunity in hotels. Uh, because uh, with hotels, basically what sells the quickest is the single rooms. Uh, if someone is traveling on business, they um, very often just book a single room rather than buy uh, booking an entire apartment and the smaller our units are the quicker they book and that's that's just a pattern uh, that emerges so uh, perhaps if you're traveling and if you're I don't know a contractor or even like well the type of guests we get is like university lecturers uh, if they if they have a choice of uh, renting a whole apartment for a hundred pounds or hundred and twenty pounds or a single room for forty pounds, then they will probably choose that single room, uh, especially if it's in a convenient location. However, on the other um, hand, you've got um, I don't know families or groups of friends traveling uh, for leisure, and they more likely to book probably an apartment because it 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 makes more sense to. Uh, get six people in an apartment and pay for three rooms. Yeah. That's okay. really interesting because it kind of contrasts to what um, other people have told us in the past. Well, well no, I'm, actually, I think it, would, it, it goes against what you would necessarily think, wouldn't it? Because you think your, pre your premier rooms, your premium rooms would be the ones that would 
would be under most demand. But um, but I guess they, these are still sort of premium offering. They're just more more affordable. Yeah, I suppose, you know, all our rooms are nice, even the single ones. Mm. Uh, they are nice, they're tidy, they've got new beds. Most of them have rainforest showers, um, speedy Wi-Fi, all fiber optic. Mm. However, uh, because of the price point um, and locations, they, they always book. And whenever I look at our booking calendar, uh, it's the single people who book most of our rooms. Yes, we've got couples over the weekends, mm. uh, uh, that as well but mostly our target is uh, business travelers mm. oh that's interesting so you could you guys just sort of these are all, all in swansea and we're going to talk through the case studies in a bit so w- what's going on in in swansea because i don't know the city that well i mean i hear good things about it um and and to be having that those levels of occupancy which we'll go into in a bit in greater detail later on um during the week um it, you know there must be it must be a busy city. You must be getting the, the traction with people who are coming to work there. There's a, there's a fair spread of, uh, of different types of guests that we get. Um, so we're not kind of tied into contractors as such. We do get a lot of tourists. Uh, because of all the platforms we advertise on, we, we get a number of Chinese visitors as well, funnily enough, through a platform called Agoda. Um, and then we also get uh, travellers for the, the hospitals, for the universities, and there's a fair spread. So... Um, if we were kind of relying on tourists, you'd, you'd think it'd be a bit seasonal. Um, but because we've got a complete spread of different clients that stay with us, we kind of maintain our occupancy rate throughout the year, which is pretty good. What is key to our business is the location of our particular guest house. So I don't think it's just Swansea as a city, but it's also where in Swansea we're located. Uh, we're in the area called the Uplands, which is the birthplace of Dylan Thomas. And um, it's, um, it's a very kind of hip area. I think it was voted the... Uh, Wales' number one hippest place to live, apparently. Yeah, so it's, it's a cool... Oh, my word. I can't believe that that managed to get to Swansea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from Carmarthen, so it's like ingrained in me to not like Swansea. Oh, <laughs> don't worry. As the only Englishman on here, it's ingrained in us to not like the Welsh. But you know, I, Careful, I'm, you're very much outnumbered right now. I know, and I know the feelings. I certainly don't feel that myself. I can walk up the hill uh, above my house and give you all a wave. So I, I genuinely don't feel like that. But so neither should you, Ang Harris. I know, but it's still Swansea. Oh, yeah. Especially where we are. Like, and also, we're located very close to the university and the hospital. So we get a lot of uh, visitors who are parents of students, visiting their kids, or friends of students, and um, we're near, lecturers. We're near, we're near a monastery. We get bishops. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, wow, you've got a whole gamut of society. Yeah. We welcome anybody, Hans. It's fine. So um, I wanted to ask as well. So we talked about, you know, that old fashioned sort of owner operator. And, you know, I, I've looked at maybe half a dozen sort of guest houses, B&B, small hotels, and they all sort of fit into that category a bit. Some are, <laughs> some are better than others. Some are better maintained than others, but they all feel a bit tired, you know. Um, it's not so, a flowery carpet, otherwise it's not a proper B&B. Yeah, <laughs> some of that. And some of that curtains as well. Flop <laughs> wallpaper. Dark wood and flowery carpet, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're so dark in those places. <laughs> I know, I know. But, uh, so how, when you're sort of, because they're still your competition, aren't they, I guess? You're, you're, you're sort of sitting in this place between someone choosing to stay in a sort of, I don't know, a, a big brand hotel, big name hotel, big chain hotel, or, you know, the kind of B&B thing. And um, how do you 
beat their other offerings because um, I know I don't want to say they're your competition but you know when people are looking on booking.com I always use booking.com I'm looking at the different offerings so well, why do you all, don't use booking.com and if anybody's listening to it please ring the place directly booking.com okay. are killing small business 50% commission from every single small operator I think that every single person is feeling the pinch and yeah. I am I, I'm almost sure that if you're a traveler, if you're booking, if you call the place directly and tell them, look, guys, yeah. if I book on booking.com, this is so much, you're going to pay 15% commission, do me a deal, give me 5% off, then you're still going to get your 10% and I'm, I'm going to get, I don't know, 5 or 10 off and it's a win-win. So that's my little dirty trick for you guys. Not, not negotiation <laughs> trick. <laughs> yeah. But so how do we beat them? Well, we, I think we, we kind of... Um, we, we're not really competing with the bottom end of the market, B&Bs, and we're not competing with, the, with your likes of Mario because we're not, we not kind of, our price point is somewhere in between. It's um, in between. So it's yeah. slightly more than the really kind of naff kind of places, but better offering. Um, yeah. but, but we know we're near the prices that big national chains are charging. And, and the facilities as well. So, for instance, you know, we, we look at what we offer our guests. So um, we kind of looked at what we uh, like when we travel and we try to emulate that in, in our business. So, you know, whenever we go away, um, you know, we, we prefer to um, we prefer location. So we like to go and choose where we like to go and eat, for instance, whether that be breakfast or dinner. Um, and for us, location was more important than anything else um, and connectivity as well. So, you know, is, is the Wi-Fi up to scratch? Because obviously we, we run businesses online. So, you know, that, that is important to us. So we looked and we thought, well, um, for I think Virgin uh, Media Business do um, fiber optic Wi-Fi um, and we get 300 megabits a second for about 60 pounds a month across the building, which is fantastic. So whenever anybody comes in, um, you know, the first thing they, they compliment us on is how, how fast the Wi-Fi is, which is really good. Um, and then literally where we're located, we are um, a one minute walk from the strip. So it's got, we've got bars there, there's restaurants, cash machines, uh, mini supermarkets, you've got Tesco and Sainsbury's. There's a, there's a big offer in there and we're really close to the city center. So how, so, we, how we compete with the small B&Bs is by quality of our offering you know we've got new carpets um new um bathrooms comfortable modern beds um rainforest showers so it's just we we are simply better uh, when it comes to facilities and where we compete with the big um big kind of um places is like for example if you stay in a big hotel sometimes wi-fi is a big problem mm. because you haven't got the spread or you've got to pay extra for super speedy service or something like that we've got that complimentary and it's more personal the rooms don't look generic they don't all look the same they've got a bit of a soul and they've got the original feature and, and, and another thing people absolutely love the um, express check-in and express check-out that we've got so um we all, yeah. all I, I, I want i wanted to ask about that so how does that work you know and and, and then that that's going to move us on to the next yeah. subject of how you remove yourselves from the day-to-day face-to-face bit so if someone to book with you what's the process that that, that they see okay so so somebody would book um whether that come through a platform or directly, uh, we would we then have a series of emails which go out to people um, automatically. So that's kind of thank you very much for booking with us, etc. And then there's directions to the hotel um, and directions to get in. And inside the foyer of 
each guest house, we've got um, a series of lockboxes which coincide to the rooms. Um, which, and we change the codes on those lockboxes periodically, so we don't keep the same codes, basically, just for security purposes. Um, and then guests, essentially, via email, we also text them via a platform called TextMagic, uh, which lets them know their access code for that room. Um, and then guests literally come in, they go into the lockboxes and they check themselves in. And then when they check out, um, there's a key return area. Um, and, and it works quite well. We have got managers um, actually on one of the sites and we've got probably two full-time managers. Uh, we, we're recruiting another receptionist now, so that would make three. And we've got a, um, some cleaning staff as well. So we have got people on the ground if necessary in one of the buildings, but they kind of manage everything that we've got really from that. But level. we also have um, virtual assistants on the Philippines. I've got a whole team. So we've got 24-7 cover. Um, and we found out that 90% of problems can be dealt with over the phone. Uh, so the person on the ground is just one person who can travel to all our different sites, apartments and hotels. Um, they're all very close together. So if there's any problem that requires like a presence, um, I don't know, a lockbox is stuck, which doesn't happen very often. Or I can't uh, find my uh, iron, an ironing board or something like that, then someone can attend. However, most problems can be resolved over the phone and that really cuts down on costs and the Filipino staff are just fantastic for their qualifications, their professionalism, their English. They're, su they're superb. superb. And the, re the reason that we brought that in, that in was just kind of reacting to um, what was going on oper operationally. So we had initially, we had the managers there that were dealing with the phone calls and a being a presence on the ground. And what was happening uh, was that because of the volume of people that we had staying with us, we, they, they were taking sometimes 30 phone calls a shift. And it was, it was simple questions like, um, do you have Wi-Fi at the hotel? Um, is there parking? Um, uh, where, where's the nearest restaurant from the guest house? So it's just general questions. that so we, we wanted to kind of take that burden away from the managers so they could get on with what they, they needed to do. So um, that's when we took the decision to kind of recruit um, the, the Filipinos that we've got over there. So we, we recruited, we've trained, we managed those guys um, ourselves and it works really well. So we've got a redirect which comes in when people call um, our central number, um, it redirects through the Philippines and, and because of the shift pattern that we've scheduled, there's 24-7 there's cover now around the clock because of the time difference and everything else, which is really good. They're eight, eight hours ahead um, and they take most of the burden away from our managers in um, Swansea. Which is, which is fantastic, um, and it's working really well. It is working really well because even when we had situations like, I don't know, both managers were ill at the same time, uh, and we weren't in the country, it still, run, it still runs on autopilot. So yes, it does require some of our supervision just to make sure that people are actually doing their job. However, the whole system runs almost flawlessly where it can be managed remotely. So what, what's the sort of structure of the business now? Because you talk about managers, but you've kind of removed some of the day-to-day, -day, you know, yeah. inquiries away from those managers. So you've got you guys who are sort of managing the business as, as an entirety. Managing in the directors, you can call managing it. Managing directors, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we'll go with that as a title. So, you know, it's, it's you guys and then you've, and you're, I guess, bringing capital into the business and, you know, negotiating on the projects and so forth and making sure that all the plates are spinning as they should be. So who else does what? What's the sort of structure look like? 
So Lloyd is the hunter. Uh, he always uh, goes out and looks for next deal and negotiates. I mean, I, I do involve, get involved in negotiations. It's always easier as a <laughs> as a couple. However, he's the one who uh, who goes and sources opportunities. And also, um, we've got very good partnerships with local restaurants, with local businesses, taxi companies. Lloyd is the one who deals with them. So, so yeah, so I've, I've kind of gone out and struck deals with, because of the volume of people that we're bringing in, I've struck deals with local restaurants to, so we can start offering dinner packages, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in talks with uh, local race course, so we can start offering race day packages, golf packages. Um, we've got now preferential taxi providers. So basically, we the, the idea being that we can take uh, commission on the taxi uh, rides, the guests want basically as additional revenue stream. Uh, we can make money on the dinner packages. So it's all about kind of trying to make what we've got as profitable as possible. Um, and, and, and also making it a win-win for all the local businesses. And they love it because of, uh, you know, we, we looked at our occupancy rates and the amount of people that stayed with us over, um, you know, over the last 12 months. And depending on the nights of stay, it was, uh, it was between 30 and 40,000 people stayed with us over the last 12 months. So that's a big volume of people that we've got staying with us in Swansea. So when, when you present that to a business and say, look, you know, if we potentially started to channel all of these people to you guys, and obviously that's going to increase your margins, then, you know, would you be able to offer us some kind of deal or discount? And, you know, the, these uh, businesses are snapping our hands off, which is fantastic. And then what it also does, it improves the offering that we can offer guests. So they're not just booking a room with us, but they're, they're, when they book with us, they're, they're not only accessing the facilities and the location, but it's all of the features and benefits that we can offer them. Um, so, you know, these discounts and deals and, and people absolutely love it. It's a really good one. That's another thing when you mentioned why, uh, like, is the margin if you're selling cheap rooms? Yes, there is. Because there's a difference between having a trading business and having a property business. In property, you're very limited. Property is great, and property gave us passive income. It's absolutely fantastic. We wouldn't be where we are if not for our buy-to-let um, building company and development and all, all, that, all of that through Home Whisperers. Um, but what we can do now is we are not limited by our buildings. Um, mm-hmm. Because in property business, you usually you're limited by the number of rooms, and you only think about one income stream. And I, I know that uh, you know multiple streams of property income is uh, progressive, like flagship uh, course, and everybody talks about multiple streams of income, but people don't do it really because they think, oh well, what's my stream of income in property? Well, I'm selling a room, or I'm selling a, well, you're, you're, a, a you're house. S- your stream within property, you you, you, rent, you get your rent you, once a month. You get one, you get one sale per month when you when you're renting a property. Yeah. you know, so it's it's just for for us when you obviously you've got a trading business. There's many many opportunities whereby you can create um, additional revenue streams on top of the rooms. So that's really when uh, that's kind of the magic, really, and that's really where where the, the profitability goes up. So it's it's definitely something to focus on. But yeah, going back to who does what. So Lloyd is the opportunity man. Uh, I am more of a managing director. So I'm the person dealing with staff recruitment. I'm actually just about to interview um, a couple of people right after uh, our our podcast. Um, I am the one um, doing all the um, rate management because we've got dynamic rates. That's another thing that makes us different from small operators. Mm. constantly manage our rates but everybody i talk to who and this is my third interview with sort of hotel operators actually um in the last couple of months it's about revenue management mm. that you know it's so key to you yes. know 
getting that occupancy level. And everyone said the same thing. So with your staff, are you, are you employing them directly or do you outsource and bring in sort of, you know, a cleaning company or are they now your, your employees or? They're all our employees. They're all our employees. Um, and the, we did kind of look at, when we were doing the service departments before we started doing the guest houses, we did think, um, okay, would it be easier to outsource to, a, to an external cleaning company? But the problem you've got there is maintaining standards because you're dealing with um, a, a company that sends their own staff. Sometimes they, they prove to be unreliable and the standards weren't quite there. And, and obviously that directly affects the reviews that you're left for your business. So, you know, we, we have a saying, which is cleanliness is next to godliness, basically. And, what, you know, the most basic thing we can offer people is a clean room, a spotlessly clean room. So we really focus on that. Well, it's not business. just that, but employing an external cleaning company and just paying someone else's margin. And if we have a volume of staff like that, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's no, no brainer because everybody who employs cleaning staff, they pay them, well, minimum or just above minimum. We, we pay slightly more. Uh, yeah. But then if we were to get the same cleaning staff, but through an external company, we it would probably almost, it would almost double. double. You're paying a 25, 25% margin at least uh, on least. top of that. Yeah. Least, yeah. yeah. So who was yeah. the first person that you hired? Um, first person we hired, well, we've, uh, well, basically we, the, the, the businesses we bought, they were existing businesses. So we've mm. kind of inherited via 2P quite a lot of, uh, good cleaning staff and, and the, some of them still work for us. So we didn't have to recruit, but then we, uh, promoted one of our cleaners from service departments to be a cleaning supervisor. Now she's one of the managers. She's gone quite a far away, uh, and developed as a person. Um, and she, she's, she's the one, you know, keeping on top of cleanliness standards, setting up routers, etc. So she was one of our first staff. And then we, we hired another receptionist who's also now more of a manager. Um, and then, then this, this, this other cleaning staff, which we add on as we kind of grow. And how time intensive is it for both of you in the running of the business? very little time intensive uh, so i would say if if we were just to maintain status quo and just kind of keep it ticking over it could probably take us no more than two three hours a week however if we are going to grow this business increase sales increase revenue then it, it can take as many hours as you want it to take but to be honest just just to kind of you know, do revenue management and check on cleaning staff or check on staff and, and do little bits and bobs. It's probably three, four hours a week. That's, yeah. that, that's, that's all. Okay. Now we're going to be really nosy in a minute and go into some of the case study details and start to understand turnover and then the costs um, and, 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 and the net profit because that's the bit that, you know, you guys look at, isn't it, as, as, uh, as business owners. So, um, but you have... Um, so how many hotels are you running at the moment? Is it, I know we've got case studies on three of them. You've got the, the three hotels up and running at the moment? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we've got okay, three. Cool. Um, we'll probably be growing bigger, but uh, yeah. for, for the next probably uh, few months, we're uh, focusing on, on actually, rather than growing wide and getting more buildings, we're trying to grow in a way where we 
get all these extra packages and extra services and maximize our revenue this this way it's trying to perfect what we've what we've got at the moment um and trying to increase its profitability and pro and, and optimize really what we've got and and uh, take it to its, its full potential um we've just um got our certification through from the ipo uh, the uh, intellectual property office because we've uh, trademarked the branding um, and that then obviously gives us the opportunity, should we choose to, if we wanted to franchise that moving forward. Uh, so that's, that's something that we may consider. Um, but certainly before we kind of move into the next uh, period of growth, if you like, we just wanted to kind of nail what we've, what we've already got, really. So that's what we'll get. It, it, it sounds like a pretty slick op operation. So there's, I want to talk through a couple of the case studies because they're quite different in the way that they're structured, actually, which I think is really interesting. Um, so can, can we talk about um, the White House to, to start with? Now, I'm looking at some pictures now. It's a pretty grand looking building, isn't it? I don't know how you would describe it. A kind of end of the terrace, one of those big blocks, Victorian. Um, Victorian, uh, uh, I would say, what called townhouse, probably. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, um, it's quite an interesting story. The whole street is um, uh, on, located on Nyanza Terrace, and every time someone asks me why the strange name Nyanza, it's a place in Africa where uh, the Victorian businessman who built a row of four of them and uh, made his money, and he came back, built those houses with the capital, and then he called it Nyanza Terrace. So yeah, it's quite a grand building. We, we love the White House. I think that's that's our favourite because it was our first. Yeah, nice <laughs> yeah. palm trees at the front, and it's you know it's, it's quite stained glass and yeah, all features. It, yeah, it, you know it looks really nice from the road. It's got got uh, really nice elevation, so it's yeah it's quite a striking building, and it's 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 probably our favourite. I think probably because it's the first one. So yeah, yes, yeah, so you're always going to have a soft spot for it, aren't you? So uh, I mean, I think it's a great looking building. So um, now this was relatively uh, ordinary sort of purchase wasn't it compared to some of the other projects which we'll go yeah. on to in a bit but um so how did you find out about it first of all okay so well basically we we at the time we were um we were just running all the service departments and properties we've got in swansea um and then we were we were just looking at the cleaning costs at the time because logistically there was a you know there was a lot going on we were having to send cleaners to different addresses at different times and we thought well how can we condense that perhaps you know we'll start looking at guest houses and you know, to be honest with you, this was on the open market when uh, when we saw this. So I think it, I believe it was on Right Move or Zoopla. I saw this and I saw that it was uh, for sale. And obviously, I knew the area was extremely, uh, you know, extremely good. And they don't come up for sale very often there. So it, that that's basically how we discovered the first. And then the second came with a, as a part of the package almost because basically okay. what happened was that the second one was owned by the sister of the owner of the first one. So, so we, we, were, we basically were going through the purchase of uh, the first and, um, and then the sister approached us um, and she said, oh, I know, I know you're buying my brother's. Um, actually, I want to retire as well. Do you want to buy mine? And, they, and is, is that the Alexander? Yes, yes and, and they're very close together. They literally located within five minute walk. So literally, they're either end of the strip in the uplands, which is strategically a really, really. It was a good purchase for us. We thought, yeah, we've got to go for that. Yeah, okay, but but very different in terms of the way that the um, the deals are structured. So we'll come on to that um, in in a second, if that's the case. So so you you, you bought the building for um, five hundred and thirty thousand. Um, about coming up for 18 months ago there or thereabouts wasn't it so um and you you managed to reconfigure it was nine bedrooms at the time so what did you do to it to, to squeeze out the extra rooms 
So basically, as <clears throat> as you kind of uh, alluded to at the start, and um, you know, the own the the, the traditional owner operators, um, they traditionally live on site. They'll cook breakfast, etc. Um, and they've got owner's accommodation, etc. So obviously, because we're not living on site, and you know, part of our business model is that we outsource the provision of breakfast through doing deals with local businesses. There's, uh, you know, there's no need for the kitchen. There's no need for the dining room. Um, the existing bedroom, which the owner operators would be sleeping in on site, you know, you, that's available. And, so, and sometimes they're flats, aren't they? Like sort of basement yeah. flats, quite often. Yes, that's that's correct. Um, you know, there's there's living living areas, and you know, so basically, it's just about uh, looking how to squeeze in as many additional bedrooms on the ground floor. So that's basically what we did. Didn't alter any of the. Um, the structure on the outside at all so it was just all internal works and just uh, being created because all every, every building is different in its layout and what, what what the potential is and obviously you've got to consider plumbing as well because um obviously you know when it comes to guest bedrooms sunny flows or macerators are really not a good idea because they're expensive to replace and guests just throw they anything. always go wrong oh, it's razor blades and good knows what what we've had down them so you know you've got to consider proper drainage for, for toilets etc and well, i think this is where lloyd's like project management experience came to play and you know sometimes when we were doing those bike to lets and we've done like i think something close to 100 different projects and they were grinding us down and that's why we made that move but without the experience in you know renovating three bedroom terraced houses times 100 we would never be able to do a conversion let's say from 9 to 18 bedrooms in a really quick time exactly and you know there's, there's things to consider like um, you know the additional demand in the building for hot water for instance so you've got to look at uh, the existing hot water provision um, is it on system combi boilers or are they on cylinders for instance are the cylinders big enough um, you know you've then got to look at um, you know many different things about because the last thing you want is uh, there to be a problem with hot water for the additional you know rooms that you're putting in there so there's you can probably get away with certain things in the hmo where you've got like students who might yeah. not be so demanding but with guests, guests can or... be really demanding so if the shower is point in the morning then you know it's I, I worked in a hotel years ago when i finished university my first job i, I worked in i was a ski guide and technician in a hotel in the french alps so i took people out skiing in the day and like I worked with the hotel manager and we always had a problem with hot water and he was like um australian uh um hotel manager you know bit, bit of a character and he used to come out and do the welcome speech every week and go right there's no hot water so don't bother telling us <laughs> and, that, and, that was it. <laughs> and then he just did nothing we just did nothing about it but um, i thought yeah that's probably not going to fly these days <laughs> No, that's right. That's right. So yeah, you you really got to consider that because obviously, if if things aren't up to scratch, certainly with the function of the room, um, you know, then then it's reflected immediately in reviews. So you know, you, it's really yeah. important if you're going to be doing this, um, that you've got to consider the, the additional demand on hot water. I mean, we we we've been renovating this hotel whilst running it because you know it would be a very insensitive decision from a business uh, point of view to close the hotel down so obviously well you've got maybe... bookings as well haven't you you've got yeah. you've got people to book so you can't it's not even the loss of revenue during that phase it's it's loss to repeat customers further down the line because you it was it was quite challenging so so for instance when when we when we took over the white house um and i'll be honest with you that the existing bookings diary was just in such a state i mean he, the way it was being operated he'd lost interest about 12 months prior 
So he had a paper diary with... One of, of those, isn't that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bits kind of scribbled all over the place, rooms double booked, and, and by, by the end, you know, by the time the, the, the transaction had completed, he, he literally just threw the keys over the reception and walked out with the suitcase. And, you know, he, he just wasn't bothered. So, you know, there was a lot of mess to unpick with that. But then how that kind of panned into the renovation was, because... Uh, the, that existing building, the White House, was offering breakfast. The people who were coming in uh, were kind of expecting breakfast, you know, and these were kind of um, probably existing customers of that old business model. So there was, there was I wouldn't say teething problems, but there were, there were a few unhappy guests in, in during the transition period. But yeah. then um, once we kind of attracted new customers, they loved uh, the, the new offering, really, because where the restaurant that we send them to uh, to be honest with you, you know, the, the, they do this so well and the breakfast there is so fantastic and such good value that, that people just love it. And um, I don't think, you know, if you basically, the, the reason we outsource breakfast is also the quality and, 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 and price as well. Because obviously if you're operating a, a bed and breakfast, and I don't know if you've got five to eight bedrooms and you've got to cook uh, every morning, that's a loss making exercise. It costs you to pay someone to cook unless you do it yourself. Um, yeah. And the quality can't be that good because you don't, you, you're not a professional. It's not no. like a professional restaurant who, you know, does it day in and day out and does it in scale. So, so I mean, we, we costed this on, on the second um, at the Alexander. <clears throat> we, um, you know, there was, there was an existing kitchen which was operational and there was, there was, a, there was a cook. Uh, there was also a member of serving staff that was coming in and, you know, we, we actually looked at the costs per, per serving, if you like, and it was about £70 it would cost us. You know, you'd have to pay two people to be there, uh, your ingredients, whether people came for breakfast or not. Um, you know, if you broke it down further, you've got energy costs and things like this. But, but it was about £70, and, you know, we were noticing there was one guy coming down for a boiled egg in the morning, and that was costing us 70 quid per sitting. So yeah. we were just like, no, this is really... It's an expensive egg, isn't it? It is an expensive <laughs> egg. For us, it was, yeah. I mean, he enjoyed it, but yeah. <laughs> Not for him, yeah. <laughs> the Rolls-Royce of eggs, so... <laughs> so, uh, with the... With your sort of model, I mean, I know it's almost impossible to say, here's our average um, rate per, per night. Mm. But when you are looking at your model, say, you know, you'd look at your fixed costs and say, I don't know, wherever they are, the fixed costs work out at £20 a night or whatever it is to hold that, that room, to, to own a room. So we have to re generate revenue over and above that and, and the other costs. So how does your kind of business model operate? Or is it better that we look at the White House as a sort of case study and say, well, well what are the I sort of running costs? That's the key is you can't look at them separately. Yeah. That model that we've got, it only works in scale because yeah. the... Staff costs are amplified across the three properties plus a number of holiday apartments that we've got. Yeah. So that's what allows us to have the edge. Uh, if we just had one, we would probably just, just about break even because we've mm. got staff costs because we don't operate it ourselves. So mm. what we've done in effect is because we've scaled up, we can afford to remove ourselves from a business. If yeah. we had one, that probably wouldn't work. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, that's interesting. And I guess that's one of the reasons that a lot of people end up in the situation which we yeah. described right at the start, yeah. you know, one place which grinds them down. Yes. Um, until I think, let's be honest, they, they pretty much really resent 
that building and feel trapped in it. Um, I, I really feel that's the case. After. We've had instances where, I don't know, at the start, like one of our previous staff members from Home Whisperers, who used to be my personal assistant, uh, he uh, kind of gave up after a week of us running the hotels and we didn't have a replacement uh, because I thought that if he's good with admin and he's doing all of that things with tenants for us, he'll be fine with the hotel. Well, he wasn't. He crumbled. He said, I, I can't do this. I'm going to quit. Um, fair play. And then for the first couple of weeks, I was at the reception. I must say, I could not do it. <laughs> I just, it is, it is, it isn't, it was exciting the first probably three, four days where you're meeting new people every day. But then it was just like, oh, no, no. Nah. Not, not for me exactly so you know if you have just got one one premises then you know the the margins especially if you're declaring everything as well because that's another thing to consider Ant, is is that these owner operators and the kind of traditional uh, you know premises that you you've kind of referred to previously a lot of these people by design they keep themselves under that threshold so they're not declaring half of it so you know when when customers are coming in they incentivize people to pay cash <laughs> They often, yeah. they often charge in eight to ten percent on card transactions <laughs> to try and to try and encourage people to come and pay in cash. But then what that does, in effect, um, you know, it's your books are, ne are worth next to nothing. So you know, with with us, obviously everything is going through the books. So you know, when you factor in staff costs, VAT, and and everything else, you need to do this at scale. You couldn't just do this, operate this model on one building. It no. wouldn't work really. No, it's interesting, isn't it? I've seen a few where, the, you know, you look at the, say, can I see the books on it? And, you know, they, they literally display maybe eight grand profit, something yeah. like that. You know, and you think, well. And that's also the reason why we bought them in a, the second and third one in a slightly unconventional way. Because mm -hmm. the first one, we got bridging finance. Because basically, it's almost impossible to get normal commercial mortgage on those properties because they're not... Because there's no books, there's no profit, yeah. Sorted, yeah. So we, basically there. what we've got to do is we had to, on the first one, we have had to bear the high bridging cost for the first 18 months to show the, um, the kind of, uh, you know, accounts in order to get now commercial finance. Um, the second one, uh, we, we, we used the lease option. The third one, we used vendor finance to purchase it because we could not get a normal mortgage to the valuation that the owners or the vendors wanted. And another thing is, if you come into this business with no experience, and I don't know why, but for the banks underwriters, our service accommodation property experience wasn't a valid experience. Mm -hmm. So we could not just go in and, and, and get a standard mortgage, especially since we were changing the <coughs> business model. You, you, need, you, need to, you need to be able to demonstrate to... Um, any underwriter, basically, because they, they will have concerns that you're changing the business model. And they say, well, you know, it's kind of unproven, etc. So, you know, you basically you've got to demonstrate a, a solid occupancy rate and, and, profit. You know, and solid profit across 12 months in order to get the valuation. Can I ask how the vendor finance model works then? So what, what happened there? Oh, well, basically. So that's our third one. We yeah. Did. yeah. So, so with the vendor finance, it was unencumbered. Um, so she was looking to retire. She's uh, in her mid seventies. <laughs> yes, um, and so essentially, what what then happens is because obviously there's no um, there's no charge across the property because um, there's no mortgage on it as such. 
Um, basically, the vendor or the person selling it becomes your mortgage provider. So they take a charge across the property and she, she financed it 100%. So we've got a three-year deal with her. Um, so what we will do is, is turn the books around, uh, which is basically what we need to do. And obviously she's... I think we made more... Our, our turnover in the first month was bigger than hers for the last five months. <laughs> so, that's, yeah. that's when you sort the marketing yeah. out and everything else. Because a, a lot of these uh, owner-operators as well, their marketing <laughs> is awful. It's really bad. Yeah. Even if you look online, some of the pictures... They like of open toilets and just it's awful, you know, and they don't realise. And so it was a picture of a bin in a car park. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, I think if you go in there and you sort the marketing out um, and you display it really, and you actually sell it online, then um, you know, like I say, I, I think as long as you're in the right position, as in location where the building is. I think, and, and there's a demand there. So, you, you know, we wouldn't do this model in the countryside somewhere. It just wouldn't work. So we'd need to be near a city centre or facilities. As long as you've got a demand, a strong stream of people coming to stay in that area, then you'll be fine, you know. Mm. So that's, that's, that's definite, definitely the way to do it. Uh, but, yeah, the, we structured that over three years. Um, you know, we've got a really good deal with that. So there's no incentive, really, for us to come off this vendor finance deal for the next three years. Probably... So, so how, did, how did the finance work in terms of the improvements on the property in that case then? So does she physically lend you the money or do you raise capital against the property? No, no. Huh? Uh, so basically, well, it's, it's just the paperwork exercise um, where on the day of completion, uh, we get the title to the property and she gets the charge, just like a lender. Like a bank. So she's our yeah. loan agreement in place and, uh, and we've... Well, now we've quite paid quite a lot of it off because our first year is interest-free. Yeah. So, that's so, so basically, to acquire that property, um, all it cost us really was our legal fees. And the stamp and, duty. And the stamp duty. <laughs> and, but, but what about the improvements to the property? How do you finance that bit? Uh, well, actually, you know, having learned from the first two uh, how much you need to spend in capital expenses, on the third one, we decided we're actually going to be improving it from the cash flow oh, okay so already added two bedrooms because that was quite low cost it was just literally yeah. furnishing it etc mm. um and um in the sp in the spring we're going to be doing um, a program of uh, capital works on that which is basically the same um, the same conversion that we've done in the other two buildings which is just adding in the en suites and sorting the drainage out and putting in uh, because it's it's going to mean kind of excavating a little part of the floor, etc., in some of the rooms. So we just we just figured we're coming into sort of to traditionally the quiet season now. So we'll just kind of lay off that until the spring, and then just kind of kick start it in the spring and bring it up to the same standard. Okay, so you you know effectively you're running the hotel and improving it from the cash flow from the the profit of it and reinvesting it back into it. So and then when you and when you've got a, a track record of a year or eighteen months or two yeah. years of ownership, you you can. Yes, we finance elsewhere and she can get her lump sum of money, I guess. So. That's exactly, That's it. exactly yeah. it. Exactly it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it's really smart. And um, uh, it, it, it's interesting that what motivates these vendors is just being out, getting totally. out. Totally. Um, you know, there's not that many buyers in this market. It's not like... Um, they're on the market a long time, aren't they, these places? Yeah. And, and I remember we, we, were, we were meant to complete on the third one. It was, uh, it was one Friday. 
And for whatever reason, there was um, some documentation which was missing, or it, got, it, it was a delay. Oh, yeah, it was some kind of proof of address, something some, absolutely some, ridiculous. Yeah, so anyway, it got, kicked, it got kicked back until the Tuesday of the following week, okay? And we, we were all kind of geared up to take over and, and move in, etc., and do what we needed to do, and, and she was expecting that as well. But literally, it came, we had a phone call, it was about half past four, from our solicitor saying, look, it's not going to happen today, There's, this piece is missing, uh, what we'll do is just get, get it wrapped up on Monday, and we'll look to complete on Tuesday. So, and, it's, and basically the vendor, she just said, do you know what, I've had enough, I'm, go I'm going home to lie down, there's the keys. So actually we started operating this before we'd actually completed it. <laughs> well, <laughs> with the other one, with, with the Alexander, it was a similar story. Uh, so um, the vendor said that, you know, when I sell this, it's, I'm going to get a one-way ticket to Spain. Lo and behold, on completion day, a one-way ticket to Spain arrives to the reception email. So she booked an easy jet flight to Alicante one way and she hasn't been back since. Uh, it's, it's you know what? I can, I can relate to that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I booked a one-way ticket to, to so, these, so these people, if you're looking at these opportunities, these people honestly are so ready to retire. It's unbelievable. So, you know, these these... They've really had enough, you know, and, and some of these places, like you say, have been on the market for a long time. And these guys are just, you know, at the end of the day, they're just looking for a solution to their retirement, basically. Well, one of the things that sort of, um, I wouldn't say put me off, but I, I'm just cautious about is that I've had a look around some of them. And you can see, you know, they're, they're really good locations, decent sized buildings, maybe sort of eight to ten bedrooms. And as you say, some scope to add more. But what, what sort of worried me a little bit, um, and I'm hoping you can give me the confidence to get over that now, is that they're so tired that the, the market that they're operating in, you know, like, I, you know, they've got like, it's not even really a curtain hanging up anymore. It's like a sort of piece of fabric. And they've got yes. maybe a couple of labourers sharing a room, paying like 40 quid a night or 50 quid a night between them. And I think, well, actually, I don't want those guests. You know, they're not my you know, they're not my target market. I don't think I'd have. So, yeah. and I'm, did you have the same fears for, for a while? We've, we've, we've kind of, um, we opted, we've, we've had more opportunities than these three. And we have bailed out of a few, a few of them because of exactly this. However, mm. contractors, I love contractors. Mm. Any contractors listening to us, I love you guys because they're the least problematic guests. They come to work, they have the beer in the evening with our discount in the local restaurant and they know hassle. Uh, we absolutely love contractor market. Um, there's literally zero hassle with these guys and I'm not scared of them. To be mm. honest, the tourists are the fussiest. No, I don't you know why. Uh, but, but, uh, but obviously, yes, I think the clientele changes as mm. you improving the property. But what, what, one thing I would add is you can really inexpensively kind of judge up and kind of elevate the existing room. So I'll give you an example. We've got a full-time handyman who works for us. And, you know, some of these, you know, if you're talking about these areas which have got dark wood and, you know, there's net curtains, just literally just go the, do the rounds and just buy different soft furnishings, buy different bedding, change the curtains, change... Um, the lamp shades, the bedside lights, for instance, if it's dark wood, gloss it white. So if you've got like a dark, really dark wood handrail going up the stairs, anything that's dark kind of sucks the light, really. So you want to make the entrance kind of as bright and as white as possible. Mm -hmm. So we just go around and we just re-gloss everything just to, to, to even begin with. Um, and then obviously moving forwards, if you've got the pattern carpet, we change that to something a bit more contemporary, maybe something nice and grey moving forwards. But 
you know, there's no, there's no reason that you can't, um, you know, you can't attract people other than kind of the bottom mm. end of the market people just mm. by elevating the rooms and not just that, but taking some nice professional pictures, paying 150, 200 pounds to get somebody to come around and do a really nice photo take of the hotel mm. so you can improve the listings. It, it works wonders. To honestly. be honest, if I was um, to advise something, uh, someone who might be considering this kind of business, I wouldn't be scared of guests. Uh, the, the biggest challenge is stuff. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think that, that's right. I, I suppose what I've, I'm, I'm con- I was conscious of is that we don't want to, uh, we don't want to end up with this, you know, spending money, sometimes a sizable chunk of money, improving the building, mm-hmm. only to be stuck with the same guests who were stuck in the same forty quid a night mindset. So that that was one one fear, I guess. So that I wouldn't be too scared of that. However, definitely, if you're considering this kind of journey that we've been on, it is not passive income. It can be passive income. You can yeah, but, make it into passive income. However, you still have your staff. But, but passive income is probably about 6% return on capital, isn't it? Probably. Maybe 10% return on with, with, with buy-to-lets, you know, a couple yeah. hundred quid a month or whatever, you know, you might make maybe 300 quid a month from a single let. It's not a cash flow business, that, yeah. you know, whereas if you want to make 30, 40, 50 grand a month or whatever it is, yeah. You're going to have to work on it. I think we've got to be honest about that. Yes. Yes, definitely. And, uh, you know, we've just decided to um, follow the path that we know a little bit about, which is mm. property-based business. Mm. It's not a property business. It's a property-based business. Yeah. And, um, and we're just, just making the, the most out of it. Mm. So what does the business look like sort of financially at the moment? So across the sort of three uh, 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 hotels, what would you over a year, what would you sort of anticipate turnover and, and net profits to be? So it's very early days now because obviously we haven't been operating that long. Yeah. And in the, in the instance, for example, of the Alexander, we doubled the capacity. We've yeah. got nine to 18 bedrooms. Uh, but uh, in, in general, each one of them, um, so I, I'm, I prefer, I'm, I'm looking more at monthly than a yearly turnover. It's always easier for me to think uh, month to month because I constantly monitor. Yeah. So uh, we, for, just for the room sale, not including the, um, the, um, any extra revenue, which we will be making. Uh, so the White House is um, turning over between 20, 25,000, Alexander between 25 and 30. And uh, the, the, the third one, because it's not yet to its full capacity, is about, is about 15,000. So, so you're looking roughly about 50 grand turnover a yeah. month, roughly. Uh, and what sort of mar- you know, net profit margin would you have on that? So, well, our staff costs for all of them across the board are about, it depends, because obviously this, the cleaning costs fluctuate depending on occupancy. So all of it is about 12 grand. Uh, then for the um, finance costs, uh, we're paying about, um, I think, about 10 grand across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, electricity, gas, all of them. Roughly, I think it's about 30, 40% is, is, is your profit. Okay. But that's, a, do you know what? That's a high margin business, isn't it? You know, I was, I, I was actually chatting to a friend of mine earlier on this morning who, um, uh, owns a few letting agents and he was saying that actually most letting agents 10 or 15% profit margin on those is, is a good margin on them and I was a, weirdly two nights ago I was chatting to a, 
friend of mine who's a commercial director at a big company, you know, 400 million pound turnover. And he said, yeah, we operate on two to 3% margin. That's our net profit on, on the margin. You think that's pretty skinny, isn't it? You know, you, things don't need to move that far for it to get very painful. So 30, 40 percent is very high. Yeah, what, what kind of, well, it would be a lot lower if we had just one hotel because obviously Absolutely. what gives us the edge is the fact that we've got three hotels mm. and also the holiday apartments that take the cost between them. So, mm. so, so that, that, that would actually help a lot within, within this business. And also mm. operating in scale allows us to get good deals on anything like supplies, like yeah. laundry. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you do the laundry yourself or do you, you outsource that? Yeah? To be honest, I don't know how it's even possible, but we would, we, we've calculated it. I don't know how our laundry place operates, but they're so cheap that we would never be able to match that. What, what do they charge for a sort of changeover on a double bed or whatever? Uh, well, it's 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 done per um, per sheet. So I I, okay. um, I think it's, it works. It works out per item. Right it's got six pounds really per room for a changeover. Per room, yeah. That's yeah, pretty cheap. Yeah. No, even less than that because yeah. I think if, yeah, something like five or five, depends probably on the size of the room. Something between four four pound for a single and six pounds. Mm. Do you know it's that's bloody hard work as well, isn't it? Like, I wouldn't want to do that job. When we no. first started holiday apartments, we were uh, washing it ourselves, and it was just like crazy. I don't, I don't know how the laundry place get it so cheap. No. <laughs> it must I don't. I don't know if you saw any that you know. If you uh, definitely with some of the ones we've looked at, you sort of go into the owner's accommodation downstairs when it's owner owner uh, run, and they've got sheets hanging up everywhere, and they've got a tumble dryer yeah. going. Yeah, that's yeah. hard work. Just to, t just to touch on as well, when you were talking about the kind of margins, that's, that's one yeah. of the reasons we're, we're focusing on the additional revenue sales. Yeah. So, for instance, uh, you know, as I mentioned, across the board, and this includes the service departments we've got, between thirty and 40,000 people a year, um, you know, we've got sales targets through all the different packages and, and uh, products that we're offering of between 5 and £10 per person per day. So if you equate that across the board, that's that's a massive impact. It's on huge, our and even if you can squeeze an extra pound or two pounds oh, out, it's, it's huge. I mean, these yeah, people are coming huge. to Swansea and they're spending money anyway. We looked at the research, yeah. and they when when they come in, they're gonna spend money. They're gonna eat something. They're gonna so, so do instance, something. So they might as well spend with us. Yeah. So so we looked at statistics. We did a bit of research, and um, we, we looked at um, the people visiting this region. Um, and that was on the Visit Wales website. And this, these figures were from 2016 to 17. And to the region, there were 4.1 million visitors. Why is it the region? So it's Swansea Bay. No, 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 this was the region. Oh, okay. But then what, what they spent specifically in Swansea Bay was £115 million pounds in Swansea mm. Bay. But, they, you know, these people, when they come, they spend. So the mm. way we looked at that, we thought, OK, well, if they're not spending with us, just on room, they're spending elsewhere. So we need to collect a bit more of that. So that's why we brought this <laughs> well, in. I, I've got a friend of mine who owns a, a gym and he's got a couple of thousand sort of members on it. And whenever I sort of go out with him, I say, but your job is to make sure that, you know, every one of those people is worth another five quid a month to you. So you sell them something else. Sell them yes. a T-shirt, sell, sell them some protein shakes, sell them something yes. just to squeeze out a bit of extra profit. So um, We're selling coffees and energy drinks and car parking. Yeah. There's le left luggage for a pound an hour. You can stay extra. <laughs> There's yeah. a late checkout. Early late checkout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 
it's about 15 to 17 different things we're selling. Yeah, but, I yeah. really like it. I love, I love the fact it's a true business, isn't it? That, you know, you're looking at a, a customer base and saying, okay, how can we offer the best experience and, and make a profit from it? And I really genuinely love what you guys are doing. I think oh, you. you're, doing a, you're doing an absolutely brilliant job. And, you know, I'm, I hope to, to follow um, that, that model in, in, in some way. Um, in fact, I'm going into Bath tomorrow to uh, have a second look at a place then. So oh, cool. <laughs> if you need advice, we'd be more than happy. Same if, if any of our uh, listeners um, are considering this kind of business, we're more than happy to, um, to kind of, um, you know, give some tips or, or answer some questions. You can also check us out, uh, basically. So facebook.com forward slash bodacious beds you can find our adventures <laughs> okay so for, for it, it, facebook is forward slash bodacious bears and people can take a sort of virtual tour of the properties there and have a look around you know i think you've got your branding spot on it looks great and uh, it's a it's a genuine pleasure to sort of you know catch up again after you know whatever it's been a couple of years lloyd and see you know just how far you guys have come in a very short space of time so uh you know from from uh, all of us at YPN and all the readers, we wish you every success in, you know, continuing to grow the business. And a massive thanks as well, because we couldn't create the magazine if it wasn't for people like you who came on and, you know, shared, you know, the, I guess the sort of warts and all really, if, you know, because with the speed bumps along the way, and I know Ankara will pick up on some of those sort of outside. I, I am still here. I've not died. You've been very <laughs> quiet. You've been very quiet. I know. Well, you just sort of take over. So I was like, yeah, well, I do a bit. I'll, just, I do a bit. I'll just let him do it. I'll just sit here and listen. Yeah okay well sorry but and so guys like it's um you know massive thanks from us um uh we look forward to catching up with you again soon and, and wish you every success in you know whatever you do next and growing the business so, uh, well you know we, we we kind of welcome everybody in uh, the beautiful swansea if you're around just stay with bodacious <laughs> yeah. Yeah. fantastic thank you guys thanks for listening don't forget you can go to yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash stuff you can download the article that we create from the podcast so you can see all of the case study pictures, all the uh, financials um, and a bit more information uh, in there as well. And there's loads of other useful things to download uh, on that web page as well. And don't forget to rate, comment and subscribe to our podcast.